All right, take your Bibles with me, please, and turn in your Bibles to the book of First John. Be focusing on a few verses there this morning. First John and chapter number one. First John chapter number one, there toward the back of your Bible. First John chapter one. I'm going to begin reading there in verse number three. want to uh, speak to you this morning about our walk with God, our walk with God. And when you hear that term, I'm afraid that some of you, including my own self at times, feel like that that term is used for super saints and for people that you read about in some uh, biographies of people who have done great things for God and that, and that even already at that point you're saying, well, that'll never, ever be me and that I'll never be one of those people who can actually walk with the Lord. And yet, the Scriptures indicate that God has called you to fellowship with Him and to walk with Him and He's made provisions so that you can do this on a daily basis. And so I want you to look at some things with me here in 1 John chapter number 1. And we want to focus this morning primarily on walking in the light and how to stay in the light that you might walk with Him. Because when you step out of the light, you're going to lose fellowship with God. But you can get back in the light. And He's made provisions for you to get back in fellowship with Him quickly. Now, some of you have no doubt read through your Bibles, and there is an individual that stands out. When you hear about somebody walking with God, I immediately think about a man in the book of Genesis by the name of Enoch, where the Bible uses that term walking with God for the first time. And the scripture specifically says about him that Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. That was his son that was born to him. They gave people names that had meaning in those days. His name meant when he is dead, it shall be sent. Meaning that somehow or another, Enoch had been spoken to by the Lord and had been warned that the judgment of God was coming upon planet earth in the form of his mighty and powerful flood in the days of Noah. Methuselah happens to be the man who lived longer than any man's ever lived that walked the earth, showing you the mercy and long-suffering of God. But Enoch made the decision to begin to walk with God. Now, let me ask you a question. The Bible says if two walk together, what must they do? They must be in agreement. And so Enoch agreed with God against all of the society that he was surrounded by. So if you're going to walk with the Lord, you are going to have to make up your mind that you're actually going to be going against the flow and not with it. The Bible goes on to say that Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Meaning that man, Enoch, because he walked with the Lord, he one day was translated and disappeared. And I believe that will happen to us who are believers today. One day we shall disappear and be taken away in the rapture of the church. But I want to show you here in 1 John, look what it says here about our walk. The Bible says here in chapter number 1, look with me in verse number 
3. The scripture says, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Travis, this man is either being very arrogant or he is being very honest that it's possible that someone like you and I, Brother Doe, could actually have fellowship with God the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm writing this to you in verse number 4. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So I believe that my walk with God is going to be directly connected to my joy. And when I step out of the will of God, I believe that I will lose some of that joy. I like the joy of the Lord. The Bible says it is my strength, the joy of the Lord. Now look at this. This then is the message that we have heard of him that declare unto you that God is what? God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we fellowship with him and walk in darkness, and when he's talking about walking in darkness, he's talking about walking in lies and deceit and evil and wickedness and sin. That's what he means when he says darkness. Light. In God there is nothing but truth. Nothing but right. You don't have to be afraid of God in the sense that you would be terrorized by Him. The safest place that you could be is close to God. And the Bible says, He says, look, He says in verse number 7, But if we walk in the light... As He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. One of the things that you can measure your walk by is are you in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ at your local assembly, local church, those that you know outside the church that are Christians? Do you have any fellowship with the saints of God? Who you hang around indicates who your close friends are indicates who you really fellowship with really shows uh, the direction that you're walking. The Bible says here, he says, that we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I don't know about you, but I feel too sinful to walk with God. I feel unworthy to be to stand up here and say, boy, you know, your pastor walked with God this week. That sounds a, a statement that seems, seems, seems so arrogant to make that kind of statement. And yet the scriptures indicate that that's what I, he wants me to do every week is to walk with him. So he's got to make it possible because he knows what he's getting when he gets me. Is it possible that somebody like me who, who needs to be saved and born again and washed in the blood of Christ can actually fellowship with God and walk with Him fairly consistently. And the Bible says in verse number 8, He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so the sin factor has got to be dealt with and I'm going to walk in the light. Verse 9 is the one that I want to focus on. He says, if we say that we have no sin... That's verse 9. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in my meditation, in my prayer, in my study this week of trying to determine what the Lord would have me to preach this morning all the way back to last Monday. Every time that I'd move away from uh, something, the Holy Spirit would bring me right back to this verse. Sometimes a preacher, and I'm confessing this as a fault, sometimes we... we um, we grow weary sometimes of preaching some of the simple things that are in the Bible and we like to study and meditate on things that stimulate our own minds and our own hearts in other directions. And occasionally the Holy Spirit will get on to me about that and He will say to me that there are no simple truths, that everything has to be, uh, you know, preached and that He is the one who determines what the church needs, not me. I said, Lord, I, I will do my very best to be obedient to you, honestly, sincerely. He says, well, listen, you trust that I know, talking about him, he said, you trust me that I know who will be there Sunday morning and I know who needs this better than you do. You just follow me. And I said, Lord, I will. And so I want to focus on verse number nine for some, somebody here this morning, several here this morning, no doubt, it helped me this week as I meditated and went over this. But I believe God's trying to help somebody here today who is, maybe you're discouraged, maybe you're defeated, maybe you are not where you need to be with the Lord. And sometimes you just have to re-examine some things in your life to see if you really are in the light. Sometimes you get kind of used to the dark. And you don't realize that you're actually gotten out of the light. I guess maybe a good illustration of this would be like this. I have a I have a a, a fishing boat and that requires three batteries. All, when I say batteries, ladies, I'm not talking about D cells. I'm talking about like car batteries that fit in the back of it. And there's probably about 10 different wires that are connected to those batteries that go to various things in that, in that boat. And every time I park my boat, I plug it up to electricity and it has a trickle charger that keeps the batteries charged up all the time, as far as I know. And it's got little green lights on it to let me know that it's charging. I liken that when I put that plug in the wall and it goes to that battery charger, for me personally, that's me spending time in prayer and confession and meditation and in Scripture each day with the Lord to kind of charge up my batteries. Um, but the other day when we were up at the father-son camp out, we were out, I had some guys, uh, we were out fishing and got ready to crank my boat to leave after we had uh, caught a few fish, we were fishing to go back to the camp, and it wouldn't crank. And that's a sound that you never want to hear when you are in a boat. One of the best uh, things that you can do is to, is to make sure the plug is in the boat before you leave, and then you hope and pray that when you turn the key that there's a sound that, that, that sounds real good when it cranks. It didn't, it wouldn't crank. And so anyway, I, I checked it and sure enough, there was some corrosion on it. 
that had caused the battery to run down. And so when I got home the other day, I took, I took every wire off the batteries, every one of them. And it's not easy to do this. It's, it's pretty aggravating and frustrating to do it. Every wire. And I took a wire brush, put it in my drill, and I, I mean, I cleaned every one of them, cleaned every battery cable, put everything back on there to make sure that I've got a good connection because over time and salt water and water, it corrodes the connection. And where I think there's power, there's no power. And when I need something to work, it's not working. And so I have to go back and make sure that things are clean in order for me to be able to do what I need to do. And parallel that with your Christian life. Do you know, according to the Word of God, the Bible says that he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. It is very easy for you and I to get used to certain things in our lives to where that we no longer kind of go back and every year I do go through my boat and I clean those things up because I know corrosion is sitting in. And I've noticed sometimes in my life when my prayers are no longer effective, And when I feel that my heart is troubled and my mind is full of anxiety and there's a lack of peace and I find that there is a lack of power in my life to overcome some things that I am used to overcoming and I find that the scriptures are a little bit dull to me when I'm trying to read them, I have found that I've had to go back and I've had to re-examine myself to make sure that my connections are clean and that I'm not deceiving myself and that I have confessed my sins before the Lord and forsaken them. I want you to look with me in chapter number 1, verse number 9. Look at this. Do you understand how deceitful sin can be? Boy, it is. Now listen, your heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Satan is a deceiver and a tempter. We know that. Sin also is deceitful. And so the scripture here says in verse number 9 that if we confess our sins, if I'm going to walk in the light as a child of God, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get some of you to see here this morning, and I'm being as transparent, as honest as I know how to be. Sometimes we act like we never struggle with sin and we have no issues with it. We come and go to church without, and we, and we get up in the morning, we go to bed at night without truly examining our hearts and confessing our sins before God. When I'm talking about sins this morning, Let's examine this passage. Let me make this very clear. Look at verse 9. Look at that word, if. It says, if. Now that word, it is used as the sign of a condition. Or it introduces a conditional sentence. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful. It's 
conditional here. For example, the word if in the Bible, that's a big word for just two letters. For example, you remember the passage in Second Chronicles? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then. Romans 10, 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Those are conditional statements and sentences. If you do this, God will do this. But notice what he says in verse 9. It says, if we... And when you see the word we in the Bible, be sure you look at it in its context, because John uses pronouns like they and us, we and them. And he's referring to people, number over here, that have become children of God by being born again. And over here he's referring to people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in the free pardon of sin. And that there are two aspects here where God deals with us in this passage about our sins. Number one, if we've never been born again, we are still yet in our sins. And if we die in that condition, we will face the lake of fire. That is a truth. And when you come to Christ by faith, the Bible says that God will cleanse you and wash you and remove your iniquities and your sins judicially. Remove them. Thank God. I mean, take them away. But here in this passage, he's talking about the sins now of the sons. Now he's dealing with how God deals with us parentally or as a parent concerning our fellowship with God. And God wants you to fellowship with Him. So let me say this about this passage. It says, if we, that's us, those who've been saved, And he says, if we confess, that means to say the same thing about sin that God says about sin. You know, look, just because something bothers you doesn't mean that it's bothering God. And just because it's not bothering you doesn't mean it's not bothering God. Stop coming in and saying, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. We're not asking you what you see about it. We're asking, what does God see about it? You say, well, uh, my heart doesn't condemn me for doing this or doing that. Well, I'm just saying that your heart's deceitful, and if it's wrong and sinful in the eyes of God, your heart ought to be condemning you about it. It bothers me that there's some very plain things in the Scriptures that some of you are doing, and it doesn't bother you. That does trouble me. On the other side of that, there are things that are called in the Bible the commandments of men where people have their opinions and dogmas and they place that upon the consciences of others that's not bothering God, but it's bothering you and I because those are men's opinions and you can never please everybody. That's why Paul said it's a very small thing for me to be judged of you. But I am, I do fear God and I believe you do too. And it's important that we confess our sins, and to examine ourselves. Someone said that sin, unconfessed, adds to our trouble, subtracts from our energy, 
multiplies our difficulties and divides our families and our friends. Sins not confessed by us cannot be canceled by God. Do you know that God does not need you to confess your sins this morning for His information? Because God already knows what you're doing and what you have done. He wants you to confess it for your restoration or your reconciliation if you've not been saved. But He wants you to be restored back to fellowship. If you're here this morning and you feel like that this thing about this thing about um, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. This is not saying, okay, I'm going to confess my sin so that I'll make a lot of money this week. That's not what he's talking about. He's referring to that word prosper of you making progress and being able to overcome in difficulties, being able to find peace when others are finding trouble and being able to go forward while others are going backwards, for you to be able to prosper and to progress in your life, it doesn't mean dollars and cents all the time. However, God does bless hard work. God does bless honesty. God does bless integrity. He does. Long term, He will bless it. He will. Now, you'll notice in our passage in verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think somebody here this morning wants to feel the forgiveness of God and what it feels like to be clean. What it feels like to be clean. Did you notice here in this passage, it says down here in verse 7 that it says, And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us. Have you ever worked hard and gotten real dirty and grimy and slimy and able to go into the house and get a good hot shower and just feel Clean again. God can make you feel that way on the inside. There are some things that soap and water cannot wash away. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us from sin. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, I do have a depraved nature. Somebody said that, it might have been Thomas Watson, I believe it was, who gave the illustration about sin. He said the difference between sin in an ungodly man and sin in a godly man is like poison in a serpent and poison in a man. Poison in the serpent is like sin in the ungodly, in that he looks forward to it, and he uses it, and he lives in it. Whereas poison in the godly man, it bothers him, it troubles him, and he's looking for the antidote. 
And so it is in the heart here this morning. If, if you understand the seriousness of sin, the Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law of God. And violating, there's two ways you can do that. You can violate it by doing what God told us not to do. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. There are many thou shalt nots in the scriptures. But also, it's also ignoring and neglecting or refusing to do what God has told you to do, of what you're supposed to do that becomes sinful in your life, that there are some things that you are to do. You are to repent toward God and put your faith in Jesus Christ. You are to love one another. You are to forgive one another. These are things that you are to do and submit yourselves one to another. So in this passage, you'll notice here that God is trying to help us in these areas of staying clean. You notice what he says here. Look in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins. Now, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? It means that I cannot confess yours. I'm to confess mine. I'm going to have to call it what it is. If I'm going to get some help this morning, I'm going to have to call sin what it is. Spurgeon said, do not give fair names to foul sins. Call them what you will, but they will smell no sweeter. There was a pastor who gave the illustration once. Had a woman came into his office and she said to the pastor, she said, my friends and my family have brought to my attention that I exaggerate a lot. She said, I really struggle with it. She said, I I want to overcome it. Can you help me? And he said, well, I'll tell you what, let's let's pray about it and let's confess it to the Lord. And so she bowed her head and said, Lord, uh, forgive me for exaggerating some things. And he said, well, wait a minute. Let's stop right there just a minute. He said, "Uh, how about let's replace the word exaggerating with lying. And her face turned red. But she humbled herself, she bowed her head and said, God, would you please forgive me for lying? And business picked up between her and God because she called it what it was. Sometimes when we are angry and we have a bad and ill disposition, we call it nerves. People ever get on your nerves? Our lies. We say, I misspoke. I exaggerated. Politicians like to use that term. I misremembered or I misspoke. No, you're just a liar. Our dishonesty. We call it practical business. Our adulterous, fornicating ways. We call affairs and flings and midlife crises our slanderers, our backbiting, our sowing of discord. We we call it idle gossip or simply giving my opinion about something. There are times when your opinion is not necessarily profitable 
to be spoken. Our covetousness. I tell you, it's probably one of the most overlooked sins in the New Testament church is covetousness. These are people with debt way over their head. Mismanagement of their funds. And they call it bad luck, bad turns, but really, honestly, do you know the Lord would have you to live within your means? And you know that people that refuse to live within their means, it is usually because they refuse to because of their pride. And you buy things that you cannot afford with money that you do not have to impress people that you do not like. And really the, the goal, of the, the bottom line of that is, is that you just simply refuse to live within your income because you don't want to give the impression of people of where that you truly are. We worry about how people look at us and measure us. But I'm just saying that if you're going to walk with God, you've got to be willing to confess what is in your heart before God. Look in verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is interested in my restoration right now. I'm going to have to be truthful this morning about the reality of what's going on in my life and I've got to recognize it for what it is and I've got to call it for what it is. Do you really know what sin is? Not what people call it, but what does the Lord call it? There are so many things. Listen, I don't know about you, but I, I, probably, I probably need a shower about every day. My wife thinks I do whether I think I do or not. And sometimes people can recognize some things in your life before you do just by the odor that you carry. You understand that, don't you? Your feelings do not determine your guilt. The facts determine your guilt. For example, the thought of foolishness. Did you hear that? The thought of foolishness is sin. The Bible says so. So be careful what you text or what you put on Facebook, what you share. The thought of foolishness is sin. Did you know the scripture says whatsoever is not of faith is sin? What does that mean? Well, it means when you have a a doubtful thing in your mind of whether it pleases God or it does not please God, he says he wants you to, 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 to lean and fall in the area of where that you simply do what you know is right. Until you, and until you know it's right, don't do it. No matter what others are doing. If you're confident that God's okay with it, then press on. Did you know the scripture says that he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. Did you know that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, listen, I don't want you to give place to the devil. I don't want him to ensnare you. He said that if you do not forgive this brother, 
who basically had repented and asked to be forgiven and they were having a hard time forgiving him, he said, he is, the devil is going to get an advantage over you in your life. Do you know that when I choose not to forgive, that I'm actually giving the adversary a way into my life? The scripture says, let's look at this passage again. All right, look with me in chapter 1, look in verse number 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I cannot confess yours, and you cannot confess mine. Now, collectively as a church, if the church is doing something that's not right, we make could do that like Nehemiah did for his country, and like sometimes we do as a nation for our nation. But when it comes to me and me walking with God, Brother Ed cannot confess my sins for me. He can pray for me, but he cannot confess for me. This is something that is individual and on purpose. And so when it comes to you confessing your sins, I want to encourage you by the grace of God that you would be sincere this morning, that you would be personal with God, that you would be particular in naming what it is. What many of you have gotten used to doing is, is you've gotten used to doing this. Father, I pray you'll forgive me of my sins today. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's what you say, and it makes you feel good because you just kind of generically threw that out there and said, okay, Lord, forgive me. But God wants you to name what it is that you're calling sin. Now, there's a time when David said, Lord, I need you to cleanse me from secret faults. Maybe maybe you might say that it was even secret from him. I'm not sure about that, but I know it was secret from other people. You cannot hide sin forever that's in your life. And like Achan, who disobeyed the Lord and hid something in, his, in the ground and in his tent, and it cost other people. Eventually it came to the surface. Like David who had committed adultery and even had her husband murdered and tried to cover it up, but David was restless for a year almost. Sin bothers us and troubles us, and though you may try to silence it, it just won't be quiet. It comes back to the surface in your heart. And the Lord says, listen, I know I know what I'm doing when I save someone like you. I know what I'm getting when I get someone like you. And he said, I'm going to help you so that you can stay in fellowship with me. And he says this at verse 9, what he's looking for this morning is your honesty, your sincerity, and you being particular, you see, some of your batteries are, are running pretty low. Some of the stuff in your life that used to work's not working anymore. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. So now the focus... The majority of the focus in this verse is upon God. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. Do you understand that? He is faithful. He is faithful 
And the Bible says, and just. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your heavenly Father, those of you that are born again in this room, your heavenly Father loves you. He loved you while you were a sinner. And He much more now loves you as His child. And the Bible says that He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To forgive and to cleanse. Look in chapter 2 verse 1. How does God do that? The Bible says, my little children, there's that phrase. These things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, talking about little children, sons of God, children of God, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Several times in this book, it makes reference to the Father. How the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. How the Father sent Jesus to die for you. And how the Father desires for you to walk in the light with Him. And how the Father will forgive you if you would but confess your sins to Him and ask Him to forgive you. He says that because judiciously I have forgiven you of your transgressions that you might become my child. Now I am your father and I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to deal with you, but I want to fellowship with you. I don't know about you, but I want to do more than just have a child that just does what I say. I want that child to want to be around me. To want to be with me. Not has to be with me. I enjoy it when my grown children want to come to the house. Want to sit around the table. Want to sit around and talk about nothing. Because they just want to be around dad or around mom. Or send a text and says, hey, just thinking about you and letting you know that I miss you today. I like that. I don't want that. To have to be provoked by somebody, I want it because it's from the heart. And God, your, your father, if, you're, if you are a child of God this morning, God is sending you a message through this servant this morning that God wants you, number one, if you're not saved, He wants you to be saved. Number two, if you are saved, and the majority in here are, that God wants your fellowship this morning. And the things that separate you between you and Him is your unconfessed sins. And you're going to have to examine yourself, make sure all the connections are clean. Look at your heart. Look at how you are treating your husband. Look at how you're treating your wife. Look at how you're speaking to your children. Look at how you're speaking to your parents. Look how you are handling the Scriptures. Look at how you're being sensitive to the Spirit of God. Look at what you are saying to one another. Look at what you're posting on your Facebook or whatever you're on social media. Look at the, the way that you 
appear before others. Even look at the way that you dress. Are you provocative in your dress? Are you trying to be seductive in your dress or in your words, in your appearance? Are you trying to be suggestive in what you do? These things grieve the Holy Ghost. Are you backbiting? Are you criticizing each other? Are you judging one another when you have no reason to? Leave one another alone. Love one another, the Bible says. Help one another. These things matter to the Holy Ghost. What have your eyes been watching? What have your ears been listening to? What have your hands been doing? The Bible says concerning even our prayer life that we should lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Did you know that doubting grieves the Lord? Sometimes I have to bow my knee and say, God, please forgive me of my unbelief. And it is a sin. You say, Brother Roger, you make me feel like it. No matter where I turn, what I do, what I bump into, I'm always doing something wrong. I don't mean to make you feel that way. That's not my goal. Because I do feel in my own heart that the only way that I can stay in fellowship with God is for God to, is for God to help me and my conscience, keep my conscience clean and clear. And when the Lord reveals to me some things that I'm not doing, it's right. That's be like an alarm clock and that I don't, I don't, I don't want to hit the snooze button. When he hits the alarm clock, I don't want to hit the snooze button. I don't want to postpone it. I want to stay right with Him. I want to be able to stand up here and preach with a clean heart and a pure heart. I want to be able to to be a good pastor and give good godly counsel and not be a hypocrite. I don't want there to be guile in my speech. I want to be clean before the Lord because I want to be in fellowship with Him. I want Him to answer my prayers. I want Him to prosper me. I want what I put my hands to I want God to bless it. Whatever I give my heart and my mind and my life to, I want Him to be involved in it. I want to walk in the light. I want God to bless my wife. I want God to bless my children. The Bible says, The man that walketh in integrity, his children shall be blessed after him. I don't want anything to happen to my son or my daughters because of something that I have brought into their lives. I don't want that to happen. You say, well, that's up to them. Listen, sin doesn't just stay with us. It usually, sin always hurts somebody else. Always. That's why God's always been against it, because it always hurts other people. I need you to bow your heads for just a moment. I I poured my heart out to you. I've just done what God's told me to do today, and and I'm going to leave here this morning. I always feel inadequate, like I could have done better. But this morning, I know in my heart that I've done what he's told me to do. And I know in my heart that he wants you close to him. That if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If you've lost peace, if you've lost power, if you've lost providential favor with God, he may be chastening you. I remember something that, that James told us to do about if we would draw nigh to God, he would draw nigh to us. And you know what he told us about that? He said, you know what you need to do? He said, you need to purify your heart and you need to be serious about it and be afflicted and mourn and get that smile off your face when you know things are not right between you and, and God. And humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and 
Don't let sin harden your heart. Well, God will restore you. He will revive you. He will renew you. But it'll come up. But it's that word if. It's the word if. It's the word if. If we'll just come clean with him. Cindy, would you come to the piano, please, dear? I'm going to read you a verse of scripture and then we'll... Let's stand together at this moment. I'm going to read you a verse of Scripture. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, our hearts tender to God, would your ears be open to this passage and listen carefully? God says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And that contrite one is the one whose heart is in contrition and in confession before God. Lord, forgive me this morning for my my sin. And, and, And I pray this morning that you would name that sin before the Lord. And make it right with him. And if you need to make it right with a brother or sister, do so. That you might walk in the light as he is in the light. My Father in heaven, I bow my heart before your throne in Jesus' name. For that person in this room this morning who's never been reconciled to you by faith through Jesus Christ our Lord, I pray this morning they would come and bow their knee before you and call upon you to save them. And then I pray for that child of God. For whatever it is, we shall not judge. Let us judge ourselves and not others this morning. Father, I pray that they would examine themselves and look and Maybe you've put your finger on something that's been troubling their hearts for a while and they have just been putting it off and putting it off. And God, I pray this morning they would come clean with you that they could leave here feeling clean inside before you, having confidence that you will forgive them because of Jesus Christ and his name and his blood. Now, Lord, you'll be glorified. Forgive me this morning of where I have failed you to deliver this message. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Ghost would speak to their hearts on the inside. And I ask it in Christ's holy name. Altar is open. Would you please come if God spoke to your heart today?